0: Hello, and welcome to McCabe-Curwood's Trial by Podcast. You're listening to episode 18 of our podcast series, being part two of our two-part special edition roundup of the legal issues arising during COVID-19. During the first part, we explored a number of contractual issues that are arising from the COVID pandemic. And today, we will look at all other things law during COVID-19. I'm Stephanie Andrews, here with my colleague, Gidon Kangasa.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome back. We hope you enjoyed part one. I thought we could dive right into it today, Seth. I know you've been closely monitoring developments in the law in response to the coronavirus outbreak. What updates can you provide?
0: I sure have been. How about we start with some of the recent bankruptcy and insolvency reforms? As a part of the Federal Government's second stimulus package, a number of measures have been introduced to relax Australian bankruptcy and insolvency laws over the next six months. In particular, a number of thresholds have increased in relation to creditors' statutory demands. And bankruptcy notices. Creditor's statutory demands are a formal demand served on a company by a creditor. If the company fails to comply with this demand or enter into an arrangement to the creditor's satisfaction, a presumption of insolvency will arise. The creditor can then rely on this presumption to commence winding up proceedings. Normally, a statutory demand can be issued if a creditor is owed an amount of $2,000 or more. As of the 25th of March 2020, however, this minimum threshold has increased to $20,000. Additionally, a debtor company now has six months from the date of service to respond to the statutory demand, compared to the 21-day period available to them previously. Similarly, the requisite amount a creditor must be owed to issue a bankruptcy notice has also increased from $5,000 to $20,000. And the recipient, again, has six months rather than 21 days to respond to the bankruptcy notice. Similar to a creditor's statutory demand, an individual who fails to respond to a bankruptcy notice will have committed an act of bankruptcy that can then be relied on to file a creditor's petition to bankrupt the
1: individual. Wow. So, creditors will have to wait much longer to be repaid.
0: That is true. The reforms are aimed at easing financial hardship and helping both individuals and companies remain solvent. However, this inevitably has a corresponding effect on creditors. It is worth noting, though, that creditors' statute demands and bankruptcy notices are not intended to be used as a debt recovery tool, and creditors can still recover their debts by commencing court proceedings. These changes are also temporary, with an intention that they will remain in effect for six months until the 25th of September 2020.
1: Can you also tell us a little bit about the changes to director's duty to prevent insolvent trading? Definitely.
0: Definitely. As you've just identified, ordinarily, directors have a duty to prevent the company from trading whilst insolvent. Directors will be in breach of this duty if, at the time that a debt is incurred, there are reasonable grounds for suspecting that the company is insolvent or would likely become insolvent by incurring that debt. Usually, directors are personally liable for breaches of this duty and can be fined up to the greater of $1.05 or three times the value of the benefit derived or detriment avoided. The court can also make a compensation order against a director, disqualify them from managing corporations, and, where the breach arose from dishonest conduct, order imprisonment for up to five years.
1: A duty to take very seriously.
0: It sure is. However, along with the above reforms, the government also relaxed this duty as a part of their second stimulus package. Again, for a period of six months, ending on the 25th of September 2020. Directors temporarily will not be held personally liable for the company continuing to trade while the company is insolvent, so long as the debts incurred by the company are only incurred in the ordinary course of business. A director will also not be entitled to relief if they act dishonestly or fraudulently.
1: So that should definitely help reduce the number of companies having to go into administration or liquidation in the coming months. What other legal issues should companies be considering?
0: Unfortunately, the COVID pandemic has created enormous financial distress for many companies. Many industries have been forced to shut their doors completely, while a number of businesses that are still trading are experiencing large decreases in cash flow. Employers need to be familiar with their rights and obligations regarding redundancies, the circumstances in which they can stand down employees without pay, and their obligations to take reasonable care for their employees' health and safety, including while employees are working from
1: home. I understand there have been changes to a number of awards as well. That's
0: right. Employers should ensure that they're aware of any changes to awards that are applicable to their staff. We have seen several awards already be modified, which in some circumstances has increased flexibility for employees, but has also increased flexibility in respect of what an employer may lawfully and reasonably direct.
1: Another issue that has been discussed around the virtual office is the likely increase in cyber attacks. Can you tell us a little bit more about this, stuff?
0: Unfortunately, we're already seeing COVID-19 being used by cybercriminals looking to capitalise on the public's fear and uncertainty. Cybercriminals are posing as well-known bodies, such as the Australian government and World Health Organization, to lure unsuspecting individuals into phishing scams.
1: And for those who are not aware... Phishing being a type of fraudulent criminal conduct where scammers send messages through electronic platforms such as emails or SMSs, purporting to be from a reputable company to induce individuals to disclose personal information.
0: Exactly. The emails often look legitimate and use urgent language to persuade readers to take immediate action, for example, by clicking a link or downloading an attachment. However, once the user clicks that link or attachment, The cybercriminal can then capture information entered by the user, which can be used to steal their identity and conduct crime, including stealing from the user's bank accounts. Typical examples during the pandemic include messages that you've been in contact with a confirmed case of coronavirus, encouraging readers to click a link to see who that might have been or where their closest testing center is, or alternatively, messages purporting to be from a bank or health insurer. Alerting a reader to a compromise in the company's data security and requesting that the individual update their password or security details. Hmm, ironic. I know. With the majority of the population now working from home though, there is a very real and legitimate need for businesses to review their cybersecurity protocols to ensure businesses are adequately protected from cyber attacks. This includes implementing a cybersecurity incidents response plan and internal policies that regulate data usage and protection. It also involves training staff so that they understand how to detect a scam and
1: properly respond. And at an individual level, you also shouldn't open attachments or links received via email, text, or social media relating to COVID-19. Instead, visit government websites directly.
0: Couldn't agree more, on. And as a general rule, you should never respond to emails asking you to enter personal details. If you're concerned that the request is legitimate, ring the institution directly. To confirm that they have asked for this information. Where possible, it's preferable to update this over the phone.
1: Okay, now before we go, there is one last topic I'd like you to discuss, Steph. That is the developing tenancy laws.
0: Yes, the federal government recently announced that there will be a moratorium on landlords' rights to evict tenants who are unable to pay rent due to financial hardship arising from COVID-19. Though further details regarding the moratorium are still to be delivered. It is clear that the intention is that during this six month period, landlords will not be able to repossess a property occupied by a tenant who is in arrears with the rent as a result of financial difficulties resulting from the pandemic, for example, by losing their job or having their hours dramatically cut back.
1: So the government is calling upon landlords and tenants to communicate as well?
0: That's correct. Because there is no one size fits all solution, the government has emphasised the need for landlords and tenants to communicate and cooperate to develop customized solutions tailored to the specific needs of the parties to the lease. These solutions should balance the tenant's financial hardship with the landlord's own solvency concerns. Solutions may involve temporary rent reductions or deferred rental arrangements. If you are a tenant or landlord experiencing financial distress, there are a range of recent stimulus measures that may be of assistance. However, this is another large topic in and of itself, and unfortunately, this is all we have time for today. That being said, mccabe Coward has written many articles about the legal issues arising from COVID-19, including articles about each of the topics addressed today. The articles explore the concepts in greater depth and provide recommendations as to the steps individuals and companies can take to best protect their interests. You can find these articles on our website at www.mccabecurwood.com.au under the menu subheading, News and Blog. You'll find that there's a separate category for COVID-19 related articles that we highly
1: recommend you check out. And please also remember to review us on iTunes and SoundCloud so that others can find us and listen. As always, if you have a particular topic you would like considered, please get in touch and let us know. You can find our contact details on our website.
0: Thank you for tuning in and listening to this two-part special edition episode of Child By Podcast. We hope you join us again next episode.